Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark? 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. Now, earlier this week, uh, we talked about an article or a story involving a man in Illinois, a very courageous man in my opinion, a man who has done what I think more Americans should be doing, and that is following in the footsteps of uh, great people like Martin Luther King Jr., uh, like Rosa Parks, uh, people who have engaged... Our founding fathers, uh, Samuel Adams, Thomas Jefferson, People who have engaged in civil disobedience, people who who looked at a law, and in this case we're going to talk about a smoking ban, but people who looked at a law and they said, you know, that's, that's just not right. And they went ahead and lived their life how they thought they should live it, not according to what the law said. And I'm sorry, just because people calling themselves legislators get together in a room somewhere and write some crap down on a piece of paper should not mean that you should have some uh, magical need to obey what those people tell you. Right. You know, just because this is a quote-unquote nation of laws doesn't mean that we're going to fall apart if we disobey the bad ones. Good people disobey bad laws. And this is uh, one of the good people. Let's bring him on. His name's John Hemminghouse. Uh, he is the owner of Wounded Rig Incorporated, which is, of all places, a, a boat, fiberglass, and gel coat repair business. Did I get that right, John? Oh, that's correct. Now, welcome to Free Talk Live. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, the the Thank news you. the news came out this week about your planned smoke-in. Before you tell us about the smoke-in, why don't you let our listeners who are across the country and around the world, let them know what this Illinois smoke-free law is in the first place. It basically says that we cannot smoke inside a building. We have to be 15 foot away from a window or a door. Uh, any enclosed structure that has uh, has more than two walls or a roof, you cannot smoke in there. Wow. So you could you could smoke in your house, but if it's a business location, then no that's, go. That's correct. Any 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 uh, commercial property. Hmm. Got it. So that's a pretty restrictive smoking ban. It's across the state of Illinois. In fact, we had somebody on uh, who's a bar owner who was talking about uh, was talking about disobeying the ban. We were talking to him, and whenever I would bring up the term civil disobedience, he'd back down and get all scared. And uh, he ended up being a pretty pretty much a disappointment. Uh, but you, sir, you have embraced the term civil disobedience. In your interview earlier this week, uh, you you held that up as uh, is exactly what you're going to do. In fact, I don't have the quote in front of me right now, but you said something to the effect of. Uh, you know, you're tired of all these people just being so uh, so cowardly that that Americans have just been beaten down uh, and they've become so obedient and it's really doing a lot to the, the, Americans' obedience has done a lot to destroy uh, our freedoms in this country. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, there, there's places in this world where if you stood up and spoke back, you would you would actually be shot. Uh, here we're afraid they've got us so intimidated that we're afraid to stand up and get a citation. Yeah, yeah. In the land of the free, <laughs> so called. <That's> <laughs> So now, I thought when I was first reading the story about you, John, I thought that you must have been a bar owner or something like that. But no, it's a it's a boat uh, related business, and uh, I mean it's your business. Are you the owner of the building? Are you renting, or what's your exact situation there? Uh, no, actually, this piece of property we've lived here, uh, we've owned this piece of property for over a hundred years. Oh, great! And then great. they come along and tell you what you can do on it. Yeah, it don't don't, don't seem right, does it? It doesn't. Uh, you know, it's either your business or it isn't. And it sounds like it isn't. 
They're, they're trying to tell you that, at least. Well, he's taking it back as of today. Uh, today was a pretty big day over there at Wounded Rig. And uh, your location, by the way, is Williamson County, Illinois, uh, where you were holding a smoke-in. You publicized this event. In fact, you put a sign out in the front yard of the business, didn't you? Yes, uh-huh. What that sign say? Uh, uh, sign says, my place, uh, sign says, my place, my choice, smoking allowed. I think that's just awesome. I'm so uh, blown away that there is somebody out there in this country still that actually cares enough about freedom to make a stand, to put his uh, livelihood on the line. Because, you know, these government bureaucrats, they are on a power trip. And they believe that they own your business. They believe that they know what's right for you. And it must have taken a lot of courage. Did it take a while to decide to go ahead and do this? Or was it a quick decision for you, John? How was the, what was the process like? Uh, just uh, just about every decision I make is quick. Uh, I thought of this on Saturday morning, and by uh, by Saturday afternoon, I had the sign up. So. And then was it just a week later that you uh, you had the event? Uh, actually, the sign's been up uh, five weeks today. Oh, okay, so, okay. Now we we started posting flyers just about two weeks ago and uh, letting everybody know about it. What we didn't mean for this this actually was supposed. To, I thought it was just going to be a small gathering with some of our. Uh, we was actually going to have some beer and cook hamburgers out back and. Just see if they wanted to come by and, and talk to us, and then it turned into turned into a lot bigger deal than we we was expecting. So the first thing that happened, you announced this essentially to an event that was going to be open to the public. Anybody that wanted to come and smoke a cigarette at your on your uh, or inside your business was was going to be allowed to. Is that the idea? That's correct. Uh huh. So you you got the word out there, and inevitably the attorney general's office or somebody related to uh, the you know the state enforcers uh, they got wind of it. And what did they do? Uh, did they approach you? Uh, they called me Monday morning, about eight o'clock in the morning. Monday morning, uh, the, it was on. It was on all three networks here, and uh, in both both newspapers uh, on Friday. And the state's attorney contacted me. Uh, state's attorney Chuck Granati contacted me Monday morning at eight o'clock. What uh, did he say to you, John? Uh, I was told that if I continued with this, that uh, I would be t- that I would that I would go to jail. <laughs> that, uh, You're going to go to I jail would... for letting people smoke at your place? <laughs> that. That's what it's come to. That I would be fined twenty five hundred dollars. Everybody that had a, everybody that was smoking on the print inside the building or within fifteen foot of the building would receive a citation. And really? I would receive an additional citation per person. You would receive an additional citation per person? Person. Wow! Right. See, that's that is a pretty hardcore smoking ban. I mean, we've been watching the uh, smoking bans pop up across the country for the last what well, the history of the show, right, Mark? I mean, yeah. the, the first, first show, the first right. show was a smoking was about smoking bans. Five years ago, the first show we ever did was down in Florida when Florida passed its statewide smoking ban, and we've been following them ever since. And this is particularly onerous. Normally, and neither one of us smoke cigarettes. No, it's true. <laughs> uh, normally. Normally, what the way they do it is they target just the business owner, so it's the business owner's total responsibility to prevent people from smoking. It's very rare that you see them actually going after the individual smokers. So in this case, John, the the people that came to your smoking were also risking uh, were also risking a fine and possible arrest. I mean, if you don't pay the fine, they they could arrest you uh, down the line. And so that's actually additional civil disobedience. So it wasn't just you; it was actually everybody that showed up. Did did most of your participants today realize that? I, I'm sure they did. Uh, I had probably 150 phone calls this week, and after they after they uh, heard Mr. Gennady's statement, and uh, a lot of them, I, th- I think actually it encouraged more to come. So I think they, you're right about that. They thought they was going to get in trouble. So and you, you mentioned that you are non-smokers. I'm also a non-smoker. Very good. So did you uh, take a puff today just for the hell of it? 
Yeah, I had me uh, had a lot of a lot of cigars donated to me this week. <laughs> that is fantastic. So, how many people t- uh, turned out? It was today at noon. Was the big smoke in at Wounded Rig? How many people showed up? We was trying to keep count, and uh, it kept people kept coming and going. But we were assuming that we know there was 130, probably wow. 150, 160 people. That is tremendous. So, what did the uh, the, the what did the coppers do? They bust uh, in guns a blazing or what? We've never seen them. Uh, actually, actually, Mr. Garnotti called me that Tuesday Empty and, threats, uh, huh? and told me that uh, he couldn't believe that uh, he couldn't understand where I come up with all uh, that I was going to be arrested for one thing. So, well, he threatened yeah. that. I read it in the news article earlier this week. It was uh, what he what he assumed was he was going to intimidate us and we would we would just turn tail and run from. Well, him. and you know that usually is a tactic that works uh, works for them. They uh, puff themselves up all real big and scary, and of course most people are quite frightened of the government, and so they back right down, and uh, nothing ever ends up coming of it. But you decided to stand strong and stand tall, and as a result, the government backed down. And Mark, haven't we seen this before? Over and over again. We've seen this. Just so you know, John, I mean, you probably don't know our show from Adam, but uh, but Free Talk Live is a, a program about, you know, we talk generally about freedom. It's a, it's a show where we allow anybody to call in and talk about anything, but when we approach the issues, we approach it from a from a pro liberty perspective and uh-huh. we've been watching various different uh you know they're only not they're not very many of them to cover but various different iterations and incidences uh incidents of civil disobedience where people have announced their intentions in advance and we've seen the government do the same exact things they did with you they threaten and then inevitably when the actual event occurs the government backs down. Now, it doesn't happen that way all the time, and we've certainly seen incidents where they, they have arrested people. But I'd like to hang on to you, John, and bring you back to talk a little bit more about this, if you don't mind. That'd be fine. Hang on. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so include, uh, so enjoy those, rather, uh, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Just click and download. They're free. Freetalklive.com. March 12th through the 15th is the 56th running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida. The world's fastest sports cars will battle for 12 hours on the famous Sebring Road Course. For tickets and information, call 1-800-626-RACE or visit SebringRaceway.com. March 12th through the 15th. Don't miss it. That's SebringRaceway.com. We go back to our guest on the line. John Hemminghouse is his name, and he is the owner of a boat, uh, a boat fiberglass and gel coat repair business, which isn't the interesting part of the story, but I figured should give you a plug, another plug here because you deserve it. The business is called Wounded Rig Incorporated, and if you're anywhere near Williamson, uh, Williamson County, Illinois, you should definitely take your boat to this man uh, because he's a, a, a very courageous individual, courageous enough to stand up to the new Illinois smoking ban, which I believe went into effect at the beginning of this year, essentially banning smoking from all indoor businesses. And, in fact, you said it's also from, was it 12 feet away from windows and doors? Uh, 15 foot away from windows, even including drive-through windows. <laughs> so, 15 feet. Now, is it only open windows or closed windows? Do those count, too? It's open windows. Okay. 
So, uh, so anyway, they banned smoking all over the place, and Mr. Hemminghouse here has decided that, uh, well, his property is his property, and he doesn't uh, doesn't deem the government to be in control of what goes on inside his business. So you went ahead today, and you held a smoke-in, and invited people, members of the public, people who are willing to also engage in civil disobedience with you, because each of the people that were smoking today also possibly faced citations and fines on the part of the, uh, the Illinois state government, and you said about 130 people showed up today to uh, smoke cigarettes and cigars inside your business, and yeah. the uh, the state government, they left you alone after threatening you. They called you and threatened you earlier this week, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, but anyway, later this week, they came out with a statement saying that, ah, we're just going to leave uh, we're going to leave Mr. Hemminghouse alone. Uh, that's correct. They, they made a statement. Uh, the state's attorney had a press conference Thursday, Thursday morning uh, it was about an hour-long press conference over mm-hmm. it and said that basically he was going to leave us leave us alone. No citations was going to be written. This I have to say that the, uh, the, the state's attorney's quotes, I'm looking at the uh, Southern Illinois, Illinoisan.com website here, and this is just a bizarre quote. Tell me what you make of this, Mark and, and John. He says, what, this is the quote from the state's attorney. When I first heard about this, I didn't know what to think. On one hand, I applaud Mr. Hemminghouse. What does that mean exactly? What is he applauding you for? Is he applauding you for disobedience? I don't know. Me, no, no, uh, me and Mr. Gennady, we've not had a we've not had a foul word between us. Uh, we've every conversation we've had has been very professional. Huh. He he's trying to do his job, which he you have to respect him for doing his job. But uh, he he knows that we, we had him in a real bad situation on this one. Uh, my my attorney told me he said, John, he don't want to come up there and drag you out of your front door. While all the media is there, drag you out from under American flag and uh, put you under, take you into custody over smoking cigarettes. He said again, it's election year. He said uh, he can't really just let this go, but he said he said I'd really hate to be in his shoes. So. Yeah, they do have an image to uphold. They do have a uh, an aura of legitimacy to uh, to be seen underneath and. Being violent against a non-violent individual such as yourself might just look kind of bad. In fact, here's another one of his quotes. He says, I never did tell that man he was going to be taken into custody or arrested. That is a ridiculous statement. That is not true. I couldn't arrest him if I wanted to. If you read the act, the penalties are only fines. Now, you say that you were threatened with arrest. Yes. uh Was it him that threatened you or was it someone else? Yes, it was him that threatened me. So he's just lying through his teeth there, then. Well, he, he I would, my attorney said what it was, was he said, John, he said he, he read that in the paper. He said he just stewed over it all weekend, and he said that's why, he said 8 o'clock in the morning Monday, he said he called you and was going to intimidate you and scare you out of your shoes. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Well, here's my other question for you, John. Uh-huh. Uh, are you expecting them to send you a fine? That I don't know. He, he, actually, he actually come to visit me Thursday. Uh, and he, he 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 didn't say that he wasn't going to find us then. Uh, he said that he he said you're blatantly breaking the law, John, and he left it at that. So so presuming this fine comes along in the mail within the next few days or whenever it comes, what how are you going to handle that? Uh, uh, my attorney said that uh, we'll we'll deal with that when we get it, but. So uh, I, I understand that uh, that that's certainly a vague statement. Do you think that he might uh, encourage you to not pay and make a spectacle of that? Or uh... oh. yeah, we've got uh, we had we had actual we had uh, I'd like to mention some of the people here in a minute that was here today. But sure. there was a group called uh, Forces International, and uh, and they they said that they would they would stand behind this. They would help us. Uh, 
uh, with money. They would they would take donations on this, and um, I, I, the, my attorney talked like it wasn't going to be a hard case to beat. So you're you're suggesting that uh, you will fight the fine and not pay it, which I think is is excellent if that's what you're saying. Well, it doesn't make much sense to uh, fight uh, the smoking ban and then pay the fine. Does I agree. It? <laughs> I agree. That's, that's not right. tr- that's not true disobedience. Uh, so right on. Yeah, you know, it's it's this you know this gentleman here. It's he just he's, it's the sort of quiet resolve that built America. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's not going to do it. He sees it's wrong, and he's not going to do it. Right, because eventually, if you don't pay the fine, then they will start threatening you with arrest, and then he will, the, you know, this uh, state's attorney will have to make that unpopular, unpleasant move that he doesn't want to make, and maybe he'll back down again. That's the ultimate question, is if you don't pay the fine and you don't cooperate with him in that way, what will they do then? Uh, I don't know, but we we've, uh, we know we ain't going to pay the fine. <laughs> they, <laughs> that... they did threat. They, we was told that we could receive... Uh, a citation for unlawful gathering. Oh, we live geez. on State Highway here, and said that if we uh, if we block traffic in any way, we could be cited for that. Well, and I can that, see blocking traffic, but uh, you know my my First Amendment still says that the right to the pe- uh, right of the people to peaceably assemble um, right. is you know existence, and I don't see why with this unlawful gathering. That sounds like an unlawful yeah, law to me. Yeah, exactly. If they, they 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 explained it to me and said that if we was out there causing if if we was blocking any traffic that could be considered unlawful gathering. If they cite us for that, I will pay that fine because if uh, if we if we was blocking traffic, I will pay that fine. So well, you I would mean, know if, if you were blocking traffic. I'm sure you uh, ascertain that situation today. We never there was not well, not a single car parked on the highway. Yeah, a little photographic evidence might help in that case. I don't know yeah. if you. Thought about Actually, that. they come and set barricades down the side of the road, so we couldn't. Yep. So, there well, there you go. And you probably have plenty of parking there at the uh, the boat uh, shop, anyway. Yeah, we we was getting real thin. Uh, there's a, a a little grocery store next door, and they allowed us to use some of their parking too. So actually, I, we had all their parking. So. I just once again want to congratulate you, John. Uh, John Hemminghouse, owner of Wounded Rig Incorporated, Williamson County, Illinois. Was there anything else you wanted to get out here? Maybe any other statements that you had that you wanted to share with our listeners? Uh, yes, I'd like to. I'd like to mention uh, that it was forces. Forces. Uh, if anybody wants to look up Forces International, they can go to www.forces.org. Uh, we actually had two women today showed up, speakers from West Virginia, another one from Kentucky. Uh, wow. There's for, uh, Forces Illinois was here. That gentleman's name is Jim Blogg. Uh, Fantastic. Hey, John, I really appreciate you coming on Free Talk Live tonight, and I uh, I hope that you'll... I'll send you, if you if you want, could you, could, I don't have your email address, but I'll tell you what, I'll call you after the, uh, or put you on hold, actually, and we'll talk to you during the break here, because I want to stay in touch. I want to find out, you know, what happens on into the future with this. And again, I thank you for coming on the show tonight. Hang on, we're going to get in touch with you during the break here. 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever's on your mind. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features for free. Enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? 
SACL CAI does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. We go right back into your phone calls. Uh, let's talk to Stephen in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hey, Stephen. Hi, how are you doing tonight? Hey, great. Are you on a uh, speakerphone? I'm not now. <laughs> Much better, sir. What's on your uh, mind? Yeah, I was on hold for a few minutes. I have a situation very similar to your previous caller. Okay. And uh, we have a restaurant here in Indianapolis that had been in business for about 35, 40 years. I'd gone to that business for 20 years. And uh, we had a smoking ban here in our city. Hmm. And uh, what it did, this gentleman had a bar that was adjacent to his restaurant, and all of his customers could go to the bar. The bar served breakfast, and so they could just walk around the corner of the bar and have breakfast, and it just cost him all his business. And he had real, no real recourse. And to add insult to injury, they uh, did work on the roads, redid the, the the road right by his restaurant, so that closed that road down. Oh, jeez. So it just it basically ran him out of business. So, so here's a wonderful little restaurant. So let me see if I've got this straight. It was a city smoking ban, so therefore everybody that wanted to smoke a cigarette just went to outlying uh, other towns in the, in the area? No, it was, it was in all restaurants in our city, but it didn't include bars. So because the bar was attached... smoking, but the bars didn't. They tried to, to ban smoking in the bars, and the bar association fought it. Restaurant association fought it, too, but they lost. So he had a bar around the corner, and it happened to serve breakfast, and so all his customers, he lost all his customers. They just went there and, and smoked and, and ate breakfast. Oh, I see. I see. So he didn't have the bar. The bar was around the corner from right. his uh, little restaurant joint. Gotcha. Oh. Oh, I got you. So the bar the, the was not his. Yeah. I thought the bar was his. Okay, I got it now. So so his restaurant lost all its business to the bar around the corner because of the smoking ban. Right. And then in addition to that, there was some construction that started on the road in front of his little restaurant. And that just further drove him just down the, the drink. Of, and this little place was there for 35 years. I'm a non-smoker, and I went there all the time because it's just wonderful people. It's just kind of a, a nice place to go. And it closed down in July of this last year. And Wait a minute. Are you telling me that non-smokers have the ability to actually make choices on their own? That they can actually decide whether or not they want to go into a place that allows cigarette smoking? I mean, if you believe what the government people say, you non-smokers, and I'm one of them, uh, you, we're just, we just can't think for ourselves. We need mommy government to, to uh, take care of us. Well, I'm a libertarian, so, <laughs> you know, I make my own choices. But, uh, I, I'd like to point something out here, and your story, the story you're telling, is not uncommon, and it's so sad, and it's so tragic, uh, uh, but really, what I want to know is why so people are so obedient. Why couldn't that business owner have been more like John Hemminghouse we just had on the uh, the air with us? Because if you think about it like this... Well, think, the road broke his business, too. Okay, I understand that, but let's presume the road thing didn't, didn't happen, and he was just losing business to the bar around the corner. At a certain point, you're going to realize that your revenues are falling off, right? and you're going to have to close down. So what would it matter whether or not you closed your business down, or the government came in with all of its goon squads and uh, you know violent thugs and decided to come in and shut you down uh, instead? I say, be civilly disobedient. Refuse to obey the law. Refuse to pay the fines, and keep your damn business open at least as long as you possibly can. Because if you just shut it down on your own, then you you lose anyway. Well, that's really what he did. And the rest of the story was he decided to be civilly disobedient. We really? all did. 
and um, you know they there was a restaurant inspector that had just been hired some young kid and he was coming there all the time and he would just walk in this place had opened at like 5:30 in the morning and this this restaurant health inspector would come in and just start going through the restaurant you know stand in front of customers and just you know be real intrusive go into Larry's Larry's stock room and look he found some ashtrays in a box up on a shelf that hadn't been opened and so he, when the restaurant inspector found these ashtrays he opened the box looked in there and he said oh so you're hiding ashtrays, huh? That's a $5,000 fine. Go ahead. So, hit me with your fine. I'm not paying it. <laughs> yeah, and, and he went to court and got out of the fine. Hmm. Doesn't, it sounds like he was getting harassed still. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what happens. I mean, they don't... In some cases, they back down. In some cases, they don't. In some cases, they target you for extra harassment, and it sounds like that's, went down, that's what went down here. But right, either way, you don't... He should, since he's been run out of business, I'd like for him to have some sort of a legal action against our city and our state for this. It takes so long to... Uh, it does? ...to get things like that done. I mean, it takes it, money, it, too. It takes, it takes money with the attorneys, and, and you just have to have the emotional resolve. And most people really... You know, once they've been in a run-in with the government, it's, it's such a traumatic experience. You just um, want to throw so in the towel. from it. They're just like, I just want this, or, this organization of thugs to leave me alone. Right, which yeah. is... Which is, of course, why we joined the Free State Project and moved to New Hampshire uh, to, to get together with other like-minded, uh, liberty-loving activists and actually make a stand for freedom. Uh, I think that really is the only legitimate solution beyond just disobeying and starting up some sort of a movement where you are, which is so, so difficult to do. Because so many people have been just acclimated to the idea that whatever government says goes, and if you don't like it, well, too bad, you must obey. And it's just disgusting to me. Right. Well, we really don't live in a free country when nope. you think about it. You're right. It's not even close. Stephen I Pinch. have people get upset with me and yell at me about that, and I, uh, I mean, I'm a libertarian, and so I believe that. Right. And you know, we we have to pay taxes, which are unconstitutional and illegal, in my opinion. Slavery. And, yeah, it, it, it is, and so. What's so free about the United States of America is what I want to know. You're free and, to complain, uh, and you're free to leave. <laughs> right. That, that, that's really what it boils down to. Well, if you don't like it, son, get out. Well, you're, right. still, you're, you're still free to leave. That's, that much is true. And we can have this radio show, and we can, we can complain all we want. And the, so far, they haven't kicked our, um, our doors in with their guns drawn. Not yet. It's been five years, but, hey, it could happen any time. What is that website that the gentleman said to go to? Ooh. Forces, uh, it's forces.org. That was, I guess forces. that, was a, group, that was a group that came and, and helped him out, I guess, earlier today during his smoking. Their little, their little uh, logo has a uh, hand smoking, and the, the smoke um, forms a picture of the globe. It's very interesting. I haven't been able to quite figure it out from you know going through the, the website yet, but uh, here's it looks more, like it's a smoking advocacy group. Here's one of my favorite websites, freestateproject.org. It's a great uh, organization of 20,000 liberty-minded people all moving to the same place. That's our lovely state of New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom because uh, I believe that's the only chance that we've got left. Thanks for the call tonight, Stephen. We appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to the amp line, George in D.C. TSA, George, been waiting very patiently, sir. What's on your mind tonight? What's up, guys? Hey, what's hey, on your I, mind? Hey, I got sent to a TSA re-education camp this week. Oh, <laughs> why, why is that? And are you talking right into your phone? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Anyway... <clears throat> We had this annual test um, done by Lockheed Martin where um, they test the screeners on how well they know the SOP. That's the standard operating procedure. Mm -hmm. And um, while I caught everything they were trying to, you know, sneak through in that test, apparently I did not waste the um, the test's time enough with all the speech I was supposed to do because they wanted and stuff. I'm sorry. I couldn't make that out. You didn't do what? I I didn't waste the person's time enough with um, describing what I'm going to do with them. 
uh, apparently um, all the bureaucrats really are trying to save you time because um, in real life, none of us do this. You know, none of us, when you're going to get wanted, none of us give you a 10-minute speech. describing every. Yeah. I'm going to pass the one between your legs. <laughs> it's going to go around your head. It may yeah. beep, it may beep if, a, you, if you have any metal plates right. in your skull. So, yeah, exactly. so that's, that's why you're having, you're having to go to re-education. Yeah, essentially that. I mean, this is the first time I ever, uh, ever pooched that because it didn't, just because it didn't waste the person's time. I was like, this is exactly what they really want us to do. Stuff. Well, hey, I, you get paid, you're getting paid to go to the re-education, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's like a day yeah, I, I, I just thought I'd let you know that, you know, it could be a lot longer because going through the airport, you know, if we actually did this. They're now <laughs> re-educating the uh, TSA to take more of your time. Hey, dude, thanks for the call tonight. Take it easy, man. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Dave in West Virginia, your calls about whatever's on your mind, if you make them also on the way. New Jersey is looking at a ban. Tell you what that's about. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll free at 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live? Go shopping. At Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You've got to buy stuff to live and entertain yourself with, so get your shopping done. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop in. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items. So there's really no reason to go anywhere else. I mean, sure, shop around. See if you can get a better price somewhere. But, man, Amazon really, I mean, sometimes they even have better prices than eBay. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Everything from groceries to electronics to books, you name it, they probably sell it. And even used items. Doesn't matter. You can buy used items at Amazon.freetalklive.com. We'll still get a cut of that, too. All right, let's go right into your phone calls here. Talk to Dave in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. How you doing tonight, gentlemen? Hey, what's on your mind, Dave? Well, I was calling. Is First of all, I appreciate what you guys do. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and... Uh, and I'm with you. I get to hear you every now and again on my way home from work. I've started tuning you guys in on uh, on the Internet and stuff like that. <laughs> but I've got a question you for you. You can also get us, by the way, I don't know if you're in the Charleston area, but you can get us on WVTS in Charleston as well. That's the station I listen to on the way home from work. Excellent. Um, I've got a question for you guys. Yes, sir. Why is it that we don't live in a free America anymore? Because of Americans. Because of Americans, Right. We have a problem. We Let's say we are griping because we don't have health insurance. We're upset because the boss doesn't pay us enough. We're uh, ticked off because our neighbor decided to paint his house pink and purple. Who do we usually turn to? Mommy government. Mommy government. And, and it blew me away when I was listening to that last caller of yours when, when you guys said that. Uh, you know the 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 issue is is I I'm I'm all with you guys. I I wish we could get back to a free America. I wish we could get back to that point where that our fa- our founding fathers intended for us. But the problem is is that personal responsibility in America today is darn near completely gone. Yeah, this is what no easy task. There's no doubt about it. This is a very difficult task, and it involves it involves shifting the paradigm and changing the hearts and minds of individual Americans one at a time. It is not simple. Nope, it's not. And by the way, uh, as far as getting back to a free America, 
I'm not sure that that resonates with everyone. Uh, perhaps if uh, you you talk about getting back to a free America and you you pick some time in our his, in our 200 plus year history, blacks probably don't feel as free as um, you know they they probably feel freer now than they were at one time. And so it's it's difficult to really say get back because it's sort of to some extent it's re- revisionist history. I mean we had the Alien Sedition Act back in uh, the, the second uh, president's administration. Uh, I think it was. 1801 or something like that. So I mean, we've had uh, tyrannical laws in the, in the history of America all along. How about how about achieve liberty in our lifetime? It, it's a good way. It's good enough. Final, it would be ways. nice. It would be nice. But again, we're we're going to have to get back to that thought of personal responsibility. If they, oh, yeah. it's not up to the government to provide me with health care, it's not up to the government to make my boss pay me more. It's up to me. To go after these things. If I don't like the situation that I'm in, then I've got to do something to change that. Yep. And it's up to me and not the government to provide that for me. No you know, doubt. I agree with you. And then people say to themselves, well, wh- well why not? And the, the thing that we have to g- pound into their head is, well, when you use the government to do something, you're enacting violence on somebody. You're hurting people when you use the government. Because the government mm-hmm. just is force and a threat, the threat of violence. And then when it comes down to Civil disobedience, for yes. example. And why more people aren't taking action with civil disobedience and, 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 you know, being disobedient to the very different laws. I was talking to a guy one time. I said, well, he was telling me some issues that he was having. It's a long story. I won't go into it. Mm-hmm. But I said, why don't you do this? And essentially it was along the lines of civil disobedience. And he looks at me and he says, you know, Dave, in all honesty, as long as I can wake up in the morning and get in my new, to send my new car and drive to my job and get my paycheck and come home to the house that I pay a mortgage on, crack open a beer in front of my big screen TV, I don't care what they do. Yep. That's yep. About, that about sums it up, doesn't it's, it? It's, it's, it's such a comfy prison we live in, and people are very content with, uh, with all the wonderful things that they have to distract themselves with. And, you know, it's all fine and dandy until the government comes in and ruins your life, right? It's great and easy to come home, kick back, open up the, you know, uh, crack open a brewski and watch some, you know, watch the football game until the government decides to take your kid away from you or until the government decides to arrest your wife for, uh, you know, having a joint in her car or whatever, you know, fill in the blank of how the government could just run right in and just run roughshod over all the freedoms that you thought that you had. And then it really comes home. But by that point, it becomes too late. And that's the sad part is that Americans, you know, Americans, they, they, didn't, they didn't learn anything from, uh, for instance, Pastor Martin Niemöller in uh, World War II times who said, you know, first they came for the communists and I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for me uh, and I was, well, he was too afraid to speak up before, but by the time they came for him, there was no one else to speak up for him. And it's exactly. the same thing's happening now. Americans sit back and they say, well, that's all right. I'm not a criminal. You go ahead and arrest all those drug users. What do I care? I've never smoked marijuana. Go ahead, arrest those people for gambling. I've never gambled. But eventually the government's going to come around to something that you like and something that you hold dear to your life. And by that time, no one else is going to be left. Keep preaching the truth, brothers. You guys are doing a great job. Dave, thanks Thank for the you. call tonight, dude. It is frustrating to look at the situation in this country today and to, to, to continue to remain positive. We talked about this uh, during our weekday show this week, Mark, is how, uh, you know, different ways for people to remain positive despite all the negativity that's going around them. Uh, unfortunately, I think what most of it is, uh, what most people are doing is what he suggested, and that is they're just shutting it off. They're shutting everything off. As long as it's not affecting their life, 
fine. Tyranny's fine as long as it doesn't, in, you know, as long as I don't encounter it, right? Well, who wants to encounter something that ugly or awful? Nobody does. But I understand as someone who believes in liberty, and, and liberty for everyone that hasn't harmed another person. As somebody that believes in liberty, I understand that it's important to stand up for people that may be doing things that I disagree with, may be doing things that I personally wouldn't recommend. But as long as they're not hurting somebody else, I damn well will fight to the very end to protect their freedom to do that. I'm afraid that's what freedom is. And that's what the eternal vigilance is required to keep freedom. The good news, though, Mark, is that we don't need every American to uh, be re-educated. We don't need every American. We're not going to get it. You no. can believe that. No. Um, but if you can, if you can get the message out to... Ten percent. Give me five percent. Yeah, five percent would be enough to crash the system as as is. Uh, I mean, five percent of Americans being dif- disobedient, non-cooperating with all these absurd government rules and regulations that we have, especially five percent of business owners. I mean, if we had just five percent, they wouldn't be able to arrest everybody. They wouldn't be able to build the prisons quick enough. Mm. You put a, you put enough people in prison, and your economy goes south. I mean, this one's already going south because of inflation and a variety of other things the government's doing to the uh, to the economy. But the eventually, war. if you put enough people in prison, the rest of the people outside of the prisons can't afford to pay to keep those people in prison. Yeah. And speaking of that, there's a story. I don't know if we'll have a chance to get to it tonight. One out of 99 people is currently behind bars in this country. It just keeps getting worse. You know, you know what the response to that is by the, uh, you know, the the, the advocates of uh, harsher penalties for crimes and that kind of thing is, well, in China they just put a bullet in your head. Nonsense. Well, I, they may very well put a bullet in your head. Is that what we need? I mean, really? <laughs> hold on. At some point or another, we we have to support these convicts. At some point or another, there's a there's a moment of saturation. Now, I am all for. Getting having just a few laws and enforcing the hell out of those laws, uh, you know, no murder, no rape, no robbery, do no harm. Uh, That's the only law. Stealing, uh, lying, even not, not lying, but uh, fra- defrauding people, things like that. I'm all for enforcing those laws. It's the laws. That, it's all the people that are in prison um, in this country, and the and it's what is it? Seven, eight hundred thousand Americans um, in prison or on probation right now um, for uh, marijuana offenses. Yeah, over 800,000, I believe. That's an incredible number. That's 800,000 in one year's time, is what's arrested for marijuana. So let's continue with your phone calls. Bring up what you want. It is Adam in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Adam. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? I was just listening to your uh, Thursday show, and a fellow called in and was talking about his experience at the hospital. He'd gotten a bite on his lip, and he went in there and... Uh, came out with an enormous bill. Yeah. You recall that call? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like one stitch, and it cost him, what was it, 1500 or something? I, I thought it was, anyway. It was a lot. We, we I several have a like story that. to top that. Okay, do it. I, I fell off my bike uh, about three weeks ago, and I uh, banged up my hand, and this was a Saturday morning. Mm. A couple hours later, it's swelling a little. I figure I ought to uh, get some attention. Now, unlike this caller who called before, he... The way he told the story, he kind of walked in innocently and just expected to be uh, dealt with honestly. I, on the other hand, was cautious from the very start and untrusting. Good, good. I want to hear how this went for you. Hang on. We're going to bring you back in hour number two, if you don't mind. We want to hear the rest of the story. 800-259-9231. Also got Aaron and Mark on the line. Your calls as well. Ladies, you come first if you dial in. 1-800-259-9231. This is the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features we give away for free, so enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. Going right back into your phone call still to come. The New Jersey ban. What is it that New Jersey has banned now? (laughs) Pretty soon, there won't be anything left to ban in New Jersey. We will first uh, go to your phone calls, though. Back to Adam in Washington. Adam, you were just about to tell us a story. We only had a few moments remaining in the last hour, so I want to make sure you had time for it. Uh, referencing the health care situation we have in this country, you had uh, taken a spill off of your bike and uh, had your hand was swelling up. You went to the hospital to have it looked at, and you went in uh, with a skeptical eye. Uh, earlier this week, we had a gentleman call in who uh, just, you know, he didn't know what to expect when he went to the hospital. And, he, and of course, he got hosed. Uh, but you went in with uh, a, a bit of a questioning demeanor. And uh, what was your story? Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I called ahead and made sure that I needed to go in. And they said, yes, you must come. And, <laughs> no, uh, we don't want your business. <laughs> yeah, and they always they always express their opinion in terms of necessity. You must. Yeah, it's it's interesting how hospitals, which provide a service, uh, the, you know, you'll you'll get the impression that you absolutely must do what it is they say. You cannot leave here. <laughs> it's outrageous. And so the first thing they made me do is sign sign this contract that said I agree to whatever you decide. Yeah. and I'll pay for it. And I asked them how much it was going to cost at every stage. And no, and. And like you mentioned, no one there knows. No, they, they don't. They, they, these doctors and nurses and whomever it is that's giving you care at one of these facilities, they don't have any idea what the prices are. I mean, they're they're just a health care provider. Uh, you know, they got in this to heal people. They didn't get in to do any salesmanship. And so, therefore, people are, are, are underserved at these hospitals because they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're offering. And, uh, and they were actually making jokes. I mean, I asked... Uh, I, I said, how much is this going to cost uh, right before they took an x-ray? And the woman looks at me and goes, $15,000. <laughs> That's funny, and, lady. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was not in a joking mood. I and bet. I just got the, I got the impression that it, that's like the running joke around there is we have no idea what we're doing costs. So Yeah, that's uh, funny. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, in my attitude, exactly. So I go in, they take an x-ray. A doctor looks at the x-ray, tells me I have a fracture. And some guy who's not even a doctor spends about 10 minutes wrapping a bandage around it. Mm-hmm. A and bandage. like I said, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was like uh, there was some plaster involved. It was, uh, oh, okay. I guess you call it a splint. Okay. Yeah, I had a fracture bandage. one time, too, and there was nothing they could do for it. Um, so I, I ended up with a sling. Yeah, all they can do is, you know, don't move it for until it heals. Right. So then what? And, and uh, I asked how much it was going to cost before they did it. After they did it, on my way out, they gave me a num- um Everybody's telling me the same thing. Well, that's a different department. Yeah, you've got to you've got to call the billing department for that. And they gave me a non-working number for their billing department. Oh God! <laughs> so this is on Saturday. Monday, first thing Monday morning, I get on the phone to try to figure out what they're going to charge me. Oh man! And I spent two hours going from department to department, and no one knows. 
Well, because, you know, by that time, you might as well just wait for the bill to come because it doesn't matter. I mean, calling is – there's no point in calling. It's not going to change anything. Well, I wanted to cover my legal basis Forced so all that, that there's a record that I was, you know, objecting to outrageous charges. I see. In case it comes down to that. And and now the situation they're telling me is the billing department can't tell me what the bill is going to be because they don't have my record. And my record is in transit, which takes – five days or more hmm. to send some piece of paper from one end of their building to another. Wow. I mean, this is, it was like, uh, they've got a system designed to prevent people from figuring out <laughs> yep, to confuse you. how much they're going to be charged. Talk yep. about a business that really could use some competition. But unfortunately, it's so heavily regulated, anybody that wants to get in to compete is uh, basically turned away because it's too difficult and too costly. Oh, you'll be put in jail if you try to compete. It's a, it's well, especially, the yeah, without a license, for sure, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I finally uh, got my bill. $2,600. Oh, for an for one x-ray and a splint. Yeah. How long Maybe. were you there? How long were you actually in the hospital? Uh, not counting waiting an hour. Wow. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going on the warpath. I'm ready to sue these people into the next century. Yeah, but you signed a form. I, you know what? That form says I agree to the proposed treatment, and at the time I signed it, they had not proposed any treatment. Well, hey, good luck, and man. You, if they if they are going to get that money out of me, it's going to be after litigation. Do you think and you'll find a lawyer that's willing to uh, to to run with that case? I'll do it myself. Oh. Yeah, it's you know I, at the very least well. it seems like representing yourself. You just give them enough trouble, they'll just leave you alone. You think so? I, I think well, so. I, I actually did talk to a lawyer, and he tells me that uh, hospitals are very um, uh, prone to dropping charges. Really? Which they will say they're doing it out of charitable <laughs> charitable intentions. Now, what it, what would you say it was worth? They say it was twenty five hundred dollars. What would you say it was worth? What would you be willing to pay for that? Uh, I would say it's worth about $500. I'd be willing to pay up to 1000 Well, maybe you could negotiate with them. Instead of, you know, threatening the lawsuit right off the bat, maybe you could call the billing department and say, hey, look, you know. But the negotiation doesn't solve the problem. They really believe, that, you know, that it's not going to change their system. If you can Neither is the lawsuit. Yeah, it might very well. The lawsuit might change it, and I think that's why they want to avoid them. Well, Maybe. I don't know. Hey, I wish you the best of luck, and if you would, call us back and let us know how it goes, okay? Will do. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate the story. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Aaron calling from Long Island. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Aaron. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me take control of the government's airwaves here for a few minutes. <laughs> sure. Though the airwaves um, belong to the people, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, then how come the government gets to auction them off when we lose all our... Uh, well, the government well, is the people TV. here in the motherland. Hmm. All right. Well, I was listening to the Market for Liberty the other day. Your Excellent audio book. Highly recommend everybody check it out. You can get it for free. Go to book.freekeen.com to download it. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, in the last chapter of the actual book, it was talking about, you know, how do we get there. And they were saying, you know, you got to convince enough people. And the way to do that was to convince the intellectuals or to get the intellectuals that agree with us into into positions of influence. So what I was wondering is, you guys are saying the Free State Project is the best way to, you know, achieve liberty, but it seems to me like Mises is doing, you know, they're training the intellectuals 
to go into college positions to kind of follow what the book says. Yeah, I don't know if that's all the book says. As I recall, the uh, the book points out, and the question is, how do we get from where we are today to a true laissez-faire free market society? And uh, it approaches it from a couple of different ways. Uh, they, what they talk when they mention the intellectuals, what they were talking about is how ideas are passed down to the populace. And what they point out is that, well, first of all, you've got the intellectuals, the scholars, the the Mises Institute, and you know the think tanks that are out there, and they are the ones that that uh, that are the originators of the ideas. Uh, and then what happens then is the then they get passed on down to the conveyor belts of the ideas, and that would be Free Talk Live or Penn and Teller or John Stossel. People, regular people who are in positions of some influence to where they've got, like, you know, we've got 30 radio transmitters at our disposal and our internet podcast and all that. And so we are one of the conveyor belts to get the ideas of liberty out to everybody else. And then, you know, you take it and you convey it out to your friends in your immediate uh, vicinity. And so everybody acts as a conveyor belt to some extent or another. I think that's really all they were talking about. They they were pointing out that it's important to have intellectuals on your side so that process can begin. But the intellectuals have been doing their thing for years. And I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they they're going to keep doing their thing, but now we're in that phase of propagating the ideas. The ideas have been refined and perfected. There's no there's nothing else to really think about when it comes to liberty. We get it. I mean, the concept of laissez-faire and the free market is pretty darn solid. So now the idea is to is the challenge is communicating those ideas to people who've never heard of them before. And that's our job, and it's your job. So we're already gone beyond that phase, which is one of the reasons why the Free State Project is such an important uh, factor, because if we get those conveyor belts together in the same place, they seem more legitimate. If uh, more liberty-loving people are all together, as they are here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, then in that case... We, uh, we can be a little louder, we can be more influential, influence more people at a faster clip in our, uh, in our local area, and therefore hopefully accelerate the process toward a true free market society. Thanks for the call. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The live Saturday edition of the show. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where we've got archives. The bulletin board system, the wiki, we give it all away. By the way, on the BBS, you'll find over 325,000 posts. Get interactive. It's free. BBS.freetalklive.com. Get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Sound, uh, saving time and money sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Well, oh, yeah. You can, you can on Common Legal Matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save $10. That's LegalZoom.com. I did it, too, and it, it, was, it was just as easy as they say. You know, before we continue with the phone calls, just a few more comments on Aaron's call from a few moments ago. He was talking about uh, The Market for Liberty, which is an, ex- an excellent book on uh, the, the free marketplace and how we can get along with no government whatsoever and just simply have It's an a, audio book that you've done. Well, I've, I've turned it into an audio book. Yeah. I did not write the book. But you can get it, the audio version and the print version, for free at book.freekeen.com. But Aaron had called in to point out that uh, at one point of the book... 
from his interpretation, and I disagreed with his interpretation, but his interpretation was that they were suggesting, the authors were suggesting that what we need to do is convert academics into uh, libertarians or get libertarians into the world of academia so they can publish ideas and people can take those ideas and, and run with them. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting approach. But that's about as effective as... Trying to get politicians elected. Yeah. And maybe uh, even less effective it, than it, that. It, I don't know. It, it, it's going to take forever and ever. Right, now, you're I'm, talking about bastions of socialism. And absolutely. So you have to penetrate those. And then, um, you know, they have to get tenure before they can, uh, you know, be uh, certain that they're not going to get tossed out on their ears for right. publishing things. Uh, there's just... It, it sounds like a bad... It sounds like a, a tough way to go about it. It's it's not liberty in our lifetime. That's liberty in, uh, like, three or four lifetimes from now, assuming you're successful. If that, yeah, if you're successful. Exactly. Uh, the reason that I like the Free State Project... I I, you know, look, I didn't want to move to the Free State Project. I thought it was, you know, it, it, it's cold up here. I like Florida. I'm from Florida. I like Florida. I want to be in Florida. But I wasn't going to be able to live with myself by saying, you know, I just was going to take my comforts and, you know, forget liberty. I can't imagine. What would you those, tell Jack? Right. I I can't imagine my my son. I can't imagine the um, you know, how much of a coward I would be compared to the men of the Revolutionary War who picked up guns and left their houses and and signed up for a year under Washington's army and fought the British. Compared to that, moving to New Hampshire, pretty darn easy. Yeah. So, exactly. And 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 I'm not even asking people to move. I'm just asking people to sign the Free State Project. Then you can move when once we uh, after five years after we get to twenty thousand and who wouldn't want to move once you have twenty thousand libertarians living in a small area like New Hampshire? Yeah, ask yourself that question. If if you knew that there were twenty thousand liberty loving people, activists, not just regular folk, but activists, all living in the same place, wouldn't you want to be there? If you love freedom, that is, wouldn't you want to be there? Isn't that isn't that the place to be? So I think Aaron's idea would actually be more effective. With the Free State Project, for instance, what if those libertarian academics focused their efforts on a few select schools, like say the ones here in New Hampshire, right? You instead know, of getting, University of New Hampshire, right? Instead State of getting College. one um, Austrian econo um, economics type uh, professor applying for a job, they got five. Exactly. Then it'd be a lot more difficult for them to ignore it because the economics departments in most schools are just socialists. Right. So we could have uh, we can have all the best libertarian minds coming here to New Hampshire, getting those jobs at the universities, and then essentially instead of having these universities being these socialist indoctrination centers, even even more so than government high school, uh, you know, then it, we'd actually be cranking out free marketeers. We'd be cranking out libertarians and voluntarists instead of you know little socialist automatons. I think that would be an interesting way to combine the uh, the uh, the ideas together. So, with that in mind, we continue with your phone calls. Bring up what you want. Let's talk to Paul in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Hey, Paul. Hey, how you doing tonight? Super. What's on your mind? I just wanted to go back to this healthcare thing. About twelve or thirteen years ago, I had a prescription for Zithromax or Zithromyas, whatever it is. It was one hundred eighty-five dollars for six pills. Wow. I got the same prescription yesterday. Now, I have insurance, but it wasn't quite this much. But the list price, if you didn't have insurance, was $80 for the same six pills. What happened? So it's come down in 14 years. Oh, okay. Maybe they lost their patent? Uh, I think the patent. I'm, I'm guessing that's what came up. The patent I lived in Indonesia in between there for eight years. And there are reputable and non-reputable pharmacies. This is from a reputable pharmacy. I went in to get the same, same antibiotic, and the lady behind the counter said, oh, it's very, very expensive. It was 120,000 rupiah, 
which works out to about twelve, thirteen dollars. <laughs> so how, how and it, it was from Pfizer. It's the same. So how is it so very expensive in America and so cheap the rest of the world? I gotta believe they're making money on it at twelve dollars. Otherwise, they wouldn't sell it. Yeah, I would agree. Well, it's a good question. In some countries, taxpayers subsidize, like in Canada, I know for sure, uh, taxpayers subsidize the cost of the uh, the medications. So, yeah, and in the needs of the government's too busy stealing the money. Hmm. Well, you know, it might just be that they uh, that they figure that they've got to recoup the cost somewhere, and they you know, the Indonesians just aren't as uh, wealthy as the uh, the Americans, and so they you know they raise well, the Americans. Yeah, the, yeah they, they they raise the Americans' rates so because, that um, they don't look like crooks by uh, ripping you know like by by saying uh, you know well none of you people in the the third world countries can get any medicine because you can't afford to pay for it. You know that would be terrible PR. So they I, I guess they just charge like us more. financing the medicine for the whole world. Well, and, and you know, really, you really want to place your blame on the FDA, the Federal uh, Food and Drug Administration, because they're the ones that are increasing the cost of these medications by having, uh, you know, it being a 19-year process in order to get the approval, as well as spending about a billion dollars. So these these uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers, they have to recoup all those costs. That's overhead that they wouldn't necessarily have had to have incurred, uh, but they do because the federal government's out there making them, you know, mandating all this. And by the way. It, the feds and the FDA, they've been captured, of course, by the pharmaceutical companies. So to some extent, the pharmaceutical companies have an interest in keeping the FDA around, even though it raises their costs, because more importantly to them, the FDA effectively keeps out newcomers. The, uh, the FDA uh, prevents others. Like if you all of a sudden put together a, a cure for cancer in your home chem lab and uh, you decided you wanted to market that, sorry, you got a billion dollars on hand, you got 19 years, because that's what it's going to take in order to bring your drug to market. So as you can and see little companies and uh, you know people with ideas are completely shut out uh, from the the world of medical treatments and uh, as a result is it of possible that, there's a cure for cancer somewhere in this 19 year uh, waiting period. It, that's a possibility, sure. Uh, but there's also, you know, the possibility that there could be a, a cure for cancer out there in some of the holistic applications, some of the uh, the plants, the plant-based uh, remedies that are out there. But they aren't allowed by law, by FDA restriction, to uh, to advertise the benefits of their uh, of their treatments. Like Mark, you take the echinacea, right, for for the colds. I generally take echinacea for you know if I feel like I'm going to get getting ill. But they can't put on the the bottle of echinacea, you know, helps Defense reduce cold. or prevents or reduces Whatever. the length of a cold or anything like that. They can't make any claims, not because it's wrong for them to make claims, but because the government told them they can't. And so there's it's so anti-competitive uh, because of government interference, and that's the number one reason why it costs so much for prescriptions in this country. And there you go. There you go, Paul. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. We continue. Becky's on the line and Keene. Darren in Georgia, you bring up whatever's on your mind. Plus, we'll also check in with New Jersey and find out what they're banning now. It's going to affect almost everybody. This is your show. You can take control. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is your show. If you take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line for you. 
That is 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We've got a wiki with over 1,500 pages. You can edit virtually anything you see there. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Just head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. WIKI.freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's better known as Porkfest. It's happening June 9th through the 15th. And uh, at Porkfest, you'll be able to expand your network of liberty-loving activists, businesses, and organizations, as well as listen to concerts, enjoy some barbecue, and socialize around the fire. I have to say, the fire was one of my favorite parts uh, from Porkfest last year. I have to agree. I was a little underdressed, but otherwise, it was uh, it was a good time. I mean, it, it cool. still gets a little cool in New Hampshire at, at nighttime in the summertime, so prepare for that. Anyway, discover new freedoms. June isn't summer in, in New Hampshire. It's not? No, no. We have summer for like four days in August. <laughs> no, I can tell you, Mark, summer lasts a little bit longer than that up here because we don't have air conditioning in our house. So it got really hot. For... I didn't either. I went out and uh, we didn't have air conditioning until I went out and bought one of those little tiny units. Yeah. Um, for, you know, the, the two months that it got warm here. Anyway. Too warm to be comfortable. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com that I mentioned. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting from Porkfest. I believe uh, we're negotiating for three nights, but we've definitely got two of them nailed down Friday and Saturday night, uh, Friday and Saturday nights for sure, possibly Thursday night as well. So, porkfest.com. We go to your phone calls uh, in New Hampshire. We talk to Becky listening on WKBK. Hey, Becky. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. What's on your mind tonight? I have a comment, first of all. Mark, amen. I what? used to live in Tennessee, and my joints are screaming at me. Why the hell did you move? It's, yeah, it, it can get cold here, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I did it, I did it for reasons beyond uh, what was comfortable for me. Why did you move, Becky? Honestly, I did it for love. Oh, I, uh, there you go. That's so sweet. Yeah, the, t- the two other reasons to move besides the Free State Project are, uh, you know, a significant other and uh, work. Mine was yeah. love, <laughs> love of freedom, love of liberty. Well, and I also have a question for you guys. Uh, yes. The local news outlet out here uh, did a, a special on laws that are on the books that shouldn't be there or whatever. And uh, they were talking about a referendum that uh, is there now that uh, I don't know if it will legalize marijuana or decriminalize it or whatever but they said something about it up to a quarter of an ounce and i was wondering if you guys heard anything about that yes uh as a matter of fact i do know a thing or two about that uh it's uh, new hampshire i don't remember what the bill number is i think it's 1623 or something like that but anyway the relevant portion is that uh it would essentially make it so if you have a quarter ounce or less that it would not be an arrestable offense right. and the fine would go down which is is something that would be in line with what many states have done vermont i believe new york even new york city i believe if you have uh you know an ounce or a quarter ounce of weed or something like that it's it's just a fine that they uh that they slap you with of course if you don't pay the fine then they are going to arrest you oh uh, no hmm not that. Yeah. Well, uh, so I don't know if it's going to do. I don't know how well it's going to do. I think it's coming up for a vote within the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, I may I mean, actually go out to, uh, to to the state house to testify on behalf of New Hampshire organized crime, which is what I did last time. What I do is I go in. Normally, I wouldn't waste my time going and talking to those politicians. Oh, but yeah. uh, but what I like to do is pull kind of like a reverse macho flash on them, basically, and uh, <laughs> and essentially get up there. Is that a wrestling move? What the hell is that? It, it's kind of a, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's it's kind of a uh, a term. The, the, the macho flash is a term for when a libertarian just you know flashes all of his libertarianism and uh, gets and you it. Lose all your machismo at one time. Gets really extreme and really turns people off as a result of that. So what I can do is a reverse macho flash and get very extreme, but in favor of the legislation. So I will go in and speak in favor of, uh, or excuse me, against it, rather. I will speak yeah. against the reform and speak on behalf of New Hampshire's organized criminals. So I'll say things like... And turn them off that way. Right. I'll say things... Exactly. I'll say things like, look... You know, we really appreciate all the things you've done for New Hampshire's criminals by having uh, prohibition all of these years, and we really implore you on behalf of the criminals of the state of New Hampshire to not vote in favor of this decriminalization. You're going to take profits out of the hands of crooks and put them into the hands of New Hampshire businessmen. That kind of thing. I, you know, that's sort of an extemporaneous, but I've actually uh, already started writing up my speech. So that way they can hopefully see it from another perspective, yeah. and that is that prohibition only enriches the people that are willing to break the law, and usually well, that involves uh, the criminal element. I people was going to say, the last time we had a prohibition, the ones that were thriving were alcohol. Oh, no. Yes. People to that effect. And, and people with uh, really weird nicknames like Jimmy's the the knuckle uh, yeah, Kaposki. Now, they aren't talking about ending prohibition here, but my point is that if you have, you know, the more hardcore prohibition becomes, the more, uh, the, right. the, the longer the prison sentences, the more vicious the, the punishment, the less likely that regular people are going to risk dealing the drugs. So right mm -hmm. now, you, you probably, if you buy marijuana, you're probably buying it from a friend or you're, you know, buying it from somebody who's relatively non-threatening. Yep. Uh, whereas if all of a sudden next, uh, next week they decided to make and this applies across the country and anywhere around the world. In fact, around the world, you can see this in action. There are some countries where it's the death penalty for dealing drugs, even marijuana. And yep. so, whereas if it's only a, you know, a year in jail or you know, possible probation, then more people of the regular sort are willing to do the, the drug dealing. But if it's the death penalty, then only it's the crookedest, the most dangerous, yep. violent criminals are going to... People to, to whom their lives are worth nothing. Right. They're the ones that are going to get into the business. And so my point is that if we decriminalize it, then more regular folk will be in, you know, be able to make money off of it as opposed to the real violent criminal element. So I hope that answered your question. So it'll be... It, it's up for a vote in a couple of weeks? That's the plan. Stay tuned to Free Talk Live, uh, especially during the week as well, uh, to uh, to get the latest on that. Becky, thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. For those of you listening on the radio on Saturday nights that don't get the weekday show, well, you can always listen online at freetalklive.com. But what would be better is if you'd just pick up your phone and call your local radio station during the week, ask for the program director, and uh, tell him nicely that you appreciate Free Talk Live being on Saturdays, and you'd really like to hear us during the week as well. It's not going to change things tomorrow. But they'll know that uh, people want it. Yeah, if, if they just need a few calls like that. I can tell you, I managed a, uh, a small AM um, AM radio station, and I, I'm not saying that you know that it, not, certainly not every one of our stations is as uh, insignificant as the one that I had managed at one point. But I didn't get that many calls. I think I had maybe five calls in two years on programming. Most of them are probably complaint calls, too. Yes. Uh, and most of them are, uh, the people are jerks, and I just ignored what they said. Because Your morning show said, damn it, on the air. That there kind you of go. call. 
You know, that's what well, you most get. of them were just disagreeing with the things that were said. You really? Know, like, I, I don't like that. Right. And, and, and I'm old and I've got nothing better to do than harass you and stuff. And, so, and, and then they complain about uh, the reception. Yeah. What can I do? The, the, only, pe- the only two um, Talk entities to the FCC. That, can, right, that, that can handle this are FCC and God. And you have not called either one of them. So uh, so what you're saying, Mark, is if you're calling your local talk station with a positive comment saying, I really like what you're doing, I want you to do more of it, Free Talk Live, expanded out during the week, or maybe you are uh, lucky and you do get our weekday show, but only an hour of our three hours, you can get as much as three hours a night, six nights a week. That's unusual. And it'll get their attention, won't it? Yeah, um, you know they 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 generally don't hear messages. So there you go. Let's continue with your calls. Darren is on the line in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Darren. Hey, how you guys doing? What's on your mind? Um, I well, I just want to first say I appreciate you guys' show. Thank you. Um, I've been listening to you guys' show on Stickem for like the last month or so. Oh, fantastic! So. That's uh, that's the website that actually provides our webcam feed. Uh, people can go to cam.freetalklive.com to actually watch and listen to the show via our webcam, and I recommend it because when it's working right, and sometimes I guess the audio is kind of questionable, but when it works, man, does it sound good? Okay, well, I'll check that out next time I can. Um, well, you would I've be... had a couple. Okay, go ahead with your point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple points. Um, actually, I'm serving in the military right now, so I didn't really want to disclose where I'm from too much. Sorry, right. but um, I want to do um, the previous caller, Becky. Yeah, she was talking about the medical, uh, the, med- the the marijuana or whatnot. Yes. What What would you guys determine to be a legal drug as opposed to I mean, a non-legal drug. I'm not sure I understand the question, but I want to give you another chance to re-ask it. So hang on, rephrase that, and we're going to come back to you. 800-259-9231. Got to make sure I'm getting what you're asking, because I don't want to pretend like I know. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. The Sekel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark, join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we give away all the features. And if you like the show, you can help support us by becoming an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com for as little as 3 bucks a month. You can help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations across the country. And spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. You'll get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in-line chat room forum. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. So get on board. Much appreciated if you do. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Darren in Georgia. Darren, uh, hopefully you've rephrased your question, so, uh, so hopefully I will understand it this time. It was about drugs, legal versus illegal. Go ahead, sir. Okay, so we have our illegal drugs versus our legal drugs, correct? Right, sure. Alcohol and caffeine are legal, whereas... uh, Okay, so I can sit here and smoke a cigarette, and I can sit here and, you know, drink alcohol, Mm -hmm. but I cannot sit here and smoke marijuana. Well, you can, but it would be against the law. Okay, against the law. So, well, that would be civil disobedience. But, um, okay, I'm... I'm for the whole civil disobedience, and, you know, I've listened to your guys' radio show, and you guys are for maybe proposing to legalize marijuana, correct? I would like to re-legalize all drugs. Yes. 
Okay, so this would be like cocaine, everything. That'd be everything, including prescription uh, drugs as well. I don't think that you should have to go and ask a doctor's permission to get prescription narcotics. The fact that uh, that drugs have a prescri- prescription status essentially creates a sort of a gray market demand for them where uh, people who don't have prescriptions want to get their hands on them and are willing to go through the uh, the black market in order to uh, to acquire those as well. I think that if you want to consult the doctor, you absolutely should be able to, but if you're ready to, you know, if you're able to, uh, for instance, if you know what you need, then you should just be able to go out and buy it. So I would also go that far as well. All right. Do you think there would be like a more of a drug problem or a less a drug problem? I think it'd be about the same, actually. Uh, the statistics have shown various different uh, studies over the years have shown that about 1% of the population prior to prohibition and during prohibition was hopelessly addicted to uh, to narcotic substances. And, you know, the prohibition didn't really even change that, though there are actually uh, there are some statistics that say that uh, drug use will go down. If you look at the Netherlands and their semi-legalization of marijuana, teenagers in the Netherlands, compared to other European countries and compared to America use marijuana less so it what it tends to do is it spikes up slightly after the relegalization and then it will drop below the levels where it was at during uh, prohibition so odds are it'll be either the same or lower than what it is today but even if it goes up a little bit I don't care because what I'm all about is personal freedom and if somebody wants to make the choice to ruin their life with uh, with dangerous drugs and dangerous substances then they should be free to make that choice and if they want to check themselves into a clinic they should also be free to do that I shouldn't be forced to pay for any of that stuff uh and nor should anybody else right i also agree like i mean um with you know your freedoms i mean um illegal or not you're gonna you're gonna get the drug that you want regardless um and it's like well um you know with congress and you know how the, the system works right now it's like well how do you choose what drug can be illegal or not illegal i mean do you make marijuana illegal or illegal and then make, like, heroin not illegal. It's all arbitrary. I mean, the reason why some drugs are legal and some are illegal, there's there's no real uh, set reason for it. It's just that someone decided to one day. The fact is there are drugs out there that are legal. Plants, uh, for instance, like salvia, co- uh, completely right. legal in most of the states around the country, though some states have decided to outlaw it, and the DEA is looking at outlawing it. But it's a very powerful hallucinogenic uh, psychoactive substance. It'll You'll trip very hard. Uh, uh, but only for about five or ten minutes. But some people have said that a salvia trip is uh, far more intense than any acid trip they've ever been on. And this is, again, a completely legal substance that grows out of the earth. So it's all just arbitrary based on the decisions of uh, of politicians. And, in fact, here's an interesting thing. Uh, if you actually had to re-legalize drugs, it would actually help keep young people safer and keep drug users safer. Uh, because the drugs would be made in uh, quality-controlled conditions. And thank you for the call tonight, by the way. appreciate it. Uh, quality control meaning that they are manufactured in a laboratory environment, right. a so clean all room. The imp- impurities and um, you know, the, the, the random dosages that people get, that w- it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be the, the, the issue. I mean, when you get cocaine, you get it in a little bag. You don't have any idea how much cocaine is actually in there. It's Compared been cut, to what it's been cut with, yeah. Right, it's been cut with all kinds of things, but you don't know how many times. One time it's cut seven times, one time it's cut eight times, one time it's cut five times. And you don't know what they're cutting it with either. 
you never know and and that's you know that that's one of the reasons for uh, people dying off doing drugs it's, it's the primary reason as a matter of fact when you hear about deaths from ecstasy and all the other big bad scary drugs out there uh it usually has more to do with impurities or also uh, especially in the world of, of of purchasing ecstasy it has to do with people just taking drugs that weren't even as advertised not, some drugs aren't even cut, Mark. They're just replaced with other drugs and sold as though they are right, the they, advertised substance. They sell little little heroin pills as ecstasy. Well, that's not the same thing. They sell what they call beans in a, in a lot of cases, which in many cases have different substances sort of rolled into one. Mm-hmm. And you're lucky if you actually get the active substance in uh, what they call ecstasy. With the, the real term for that is MDMA. Yeah, sometimes you get pseudoephedrine in there. Sometimes you get uh, dextromethorphan. I have purchased DXM pills as ecstasy. And uh, luckily I had a test kit at that time. And you can, you can actually buy these test kits from, I think it's Dance Safe. Uh, but basically, the idea is that you you put this you shave a little bit of the pill off into this chemical solution, and depending on what the what color the chemical solution turns, you get some idea for what it is that you're dealing with. I spent twenty bucks a pill for DXM, which is cough medicine, and that's how it works in the uh, the black market. You know, you just get ripped off left and right until you can finally find somebody that's uh, worthy of dealing with. And even then, you're still paying too much for a questionable product. Fortunately, it's, uh, it, you know, you, it's unlikely you're going to die from cough medicine. Well, that much is true. Uh, but my point still remains that, uh, you know, in, in the black market, people are in danger when they're purchasing these things. Now, that's not to say that uh, prescription drugs are not dangerous. Sure, they can be dangerous. But black market drugs are more dangerous because they are manufactured in dangerous conditions. And you have no idea what kind of quantities you're getting. You have no idea what the dosages are. You don't have any clue. You can weigh the cocaine, but that doesn't tell you how much coke is in there. Okay? You know, um, and and all these drugs were, were legal at one point, and... You know, we we managed to make it. I, yeah. You know, you never you never hear about story. The only drug out there that makes people uh, dangerous, besides alcohol, which is the most dangerous drug out there, and it's the legal one. PCP is PCP. Sometimes you'll hear, and nobody does that. Though. I haven't heard a PCP story in a it, long it, time. Sometimes you'll hear about somebody going uh, wacko in a McDonald's parking lot and picking up cars and swatting people with them <laughs> or whatever. And you know, sometimes PCP. Okay, but beyond PCP and alcohol. The rest of those drugs don't really make people do anything, um, you know, violent. Now, they will do violent things in order to get those drugs. Sure. And that's what we propose to end by legalizing drugs. Absolutely. You don't see the, uh, these, these drugs are marked up by, you know, thousands of times because they're illegal. Also, some of the worst drugs, some of the most uh, talked about dangerous substances, crack cocaine, methamphetamine, for instance, they didn't exist in the beginning part of the uh, the 20th century mm-hmm. when the, when heroin was legal. When you could go down to the corner drugstore as a 10-year-old kid, walk in and walk out with a bottle full of cocaine or a bottle full of heroin. Uh, you couldn't go and buy meth because it didn't exist. And the reason why is because meth, methamphetamine and, uh, and crack cocaine were both created. They were created by the, the war on drugs. Right. They were created by the drug dealers that were looking to turn a quicker profit. Uh, and get product out on the street faster. Right. There's supply side economics. They're, they're, you know, the manufacturers uh, felt like, well, if we can do this, and you know, it'll be cheaper to manufacture, it'll be easier to transport, and those kind of things. That's why they did it. Yep. So ending prohibition solves 
all of these problems. Will it end addiction? Of course not. You can never stop people from becoming addicted to uh, various different things. But I can tell you something. You're not helping them by putting them in a jail cell and then saddling them with a, a, a criminal record for the rest of their lives. That's not helping anything. Let's go to your phone calls. Bring up what you want. Let's talk to Mark in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? Hey, not much. Uh, I was wanting to bring up a uh, couple topics. That, you know, uh, I think people have caught up before and I've caught up. Talking about the property tax issue here? Yeah. In Indianapolis, yeah, how it's supposed to go up like 65% and they're going to increase local income tax too. Oh, great. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Um, I think I found out a couple radical areas I'm not sure if people are ready for, but uh, that could decrease the size of local government here maybe 60, 70%. Ooh, tell us about it. Um, uh, well, first off, okay, if you get rid of prohibition, ironically, and I was thinking about this before, I, I won't even listen to you guys. Um, It'll dramatically like reduce the cost of the criminal justice system, yeah. and it'll uh, free people from the uh, from jails to go out in the workplace. Right? right. It costs a huge amount of money on for the local municipality to build these new jails, house convicts in these jails, and largely, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, in a lot of cases, you're spending all kinds of money to keep marijuana. Uh, you know, smokers in jail. It's true. I know you have more. Hang on. We'll bring you back in hour three, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Plenty of time for your call. 800-259-9231. If you're on hold, we will get to you, so do be patient. 1-800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number three of the live Saturday edition. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. Going right into your phone calls. Uh, we're going back, actually, to Mark in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Mark, you were getting into a point uh, before we went away, and I wanted to make sure you had a chance to make that. Yeah, uh, well, just again, um, first off, you get rid of the war on drugs and prohibition, which is exactly what it is. Um, it'll, you know, reduce the uh, cost of the criminal justice system and release those people to the uh, free world that we were supposedly supposed to have and, uh, you know, enable them to pursue jobs. And that and the kind of prohibition along with government schools. You know how government schools are about uh, 50 or 60% of the local city budget? Yeah, it's 60% here where we live, yep. Yeah, I think it's right about that in most areas. Um well, if you reduce, um, you know, people, well, first off, you talk about privatizing the government schools. People always ask, what about the poor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you reduce taxes and regulations and businesses, uh, those businesses, are, they'll be able to profit more, you know, and with that money they can thereby um, hire, promote these so-called poor people and uh, enable them to, you know, pursue schools of their choice in the marketplace. Sure. And with more competition, you know, quality will go up and uh, prices go down, which is what competition does. You nailed it. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, when you when you talk about public schools, the, the first thing that always, when you talk about eliminating, the first thing that comes up is the poor people. But it's not really for poor people. That's an issue of welfare, not an issue of uh, educating the public. I mean, it's it essentially turns out to be uh, welfare for middle class people. Because if you go to those parking lots and you look at the cars that are driving around, you know, oh, driving yeah. those kids home, you're not looking at beaters. You're yeah. looking at yeah, brand yeah. new cars. 
Yeah, and I grew up going to a private school for 10 years, and it cost like 25 years as a Christian school. But uh, I heard the average public school is like seven, 8000 a year, and inner cities is like thirteen or 14000 Yeah, it's, it's thirteen here, and we're not in an inner city at it's, all. You often, wow. um, you, you often see that, uh, that public schools cost significantly more per student than privates, uh, that pr- private schools cost less than public schools do. You, you, by the way, have made some great points so far. There's one other thing I'd just like to add in. Not only, if we, not only would schooling uh, and education become more affordable if we let it left it up completely to the marketplace because of competition and it would get better as you said but not only that but poor people have more money in their pocket as well because of property taxes being reduced if you're cutting property taxes by 60 percent uh and and that's what it would be here then for instance i pay five thousand dollars a year on a uh, duplex here in Keene, new hampshire that's a lot of damn money and uh, $5,000, so let's just say it's 50%. There's $2,500 that I would save uh, right, out, right out of the gate. Now, if every property owner in town is saving that kind of money on their property taxes, eventually, and I'd be one of the first people to do it, eventually landlords are going to start reducing their rent. I have a uh, you know a couple living next door in the duplex that uh, they have a young girl. She's going to government school. And I would be more than happy to give them, you know, uh, $200 a month off of their rent payment, which would which would equal out to about $2,500 a year, basically, that they could keep in their pocket and not have to send to me for the rent, because I'm charging them a bunch of rent simply because I need to make a $500 a month uh, property tax payment. Yeah, to pay for the stupid government that we have. So they aren't the most wealthy people, and imagine how much better their life would be if they got to keep $2,500 extra per year. That's something yeah. that could happen if people were just allowed to keep their money and make their own decisions with it. Yeah, and people around here, they're, they're complaining about the property tax and all, and they're trying to cut costs. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. You can get an accountant with a Ph.D. out there. He can only cut costs so much. He's still got to pay for these schools. Yep. And people just don't, I mean, they're two radical concepts, the main two ones, besides regulations and taxes. You know, privatizing schools and getting rid of the absurd war on drugs. It's, too, I don't know if people are ready for it, but um, if they want to see more money in their pocket and more, a safer community, too, and more freedom in their life, that's, that's the way to go. Two big areas right there where I think it could be 50 to 70%. You nailed it, Mark. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. We appreciate it. 1-800-259-9231. I think people will be ready for it as soon as they perceive it as possible and as soon as they perceive it as popular. And so the more voices we can get out there on the airwaves and into the media talking about these ideas, talking about the free marketplace and liberty and freedom again, then the more popular and, and possible these things will be will become. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, today, right now, people aren't ready for the, certainly the ideas of, uh, uh, I think that people are, are ready. I, we're going to see marijuana legalized in our lifetimes, definitely. But I, I think that they're not ready to look at, look past public schools and, and that kind of thing. But we just have to keep on saying the same things over and over again, and then they'll get the message. It may require some level of civil disobedience. For instance, a property tax revolt, I think, would go a long way uh, to to really nail it, to bringing those issues to the forefront. Uh, get people together in your area that actually have the courage that hopefully own their houses outright. I think that's an important factor. That way the government can't just leverage the, their power over the banks mm-hmm. and uh, and take your house away from you. If you own your house outright and you uh, start pr- protesting property taxes by only paying perhaps a fraction of them or n- none at all, like, you know, oh, 
I'm a single man. Uh, I don't have kids in school, so I'm just going to keep that 60%. Just lining out that particular yeah. section. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then, but not just doing it alone, having other people to back you up and, and doing it together as a movement. I mean, you want to talk about drawing attention and turning that, turning that into an issue immediately? That's a way to do it. Let's continue with your calls. Ladies first, Hester's on the line, listening on WFTL in Florida. Hello, Hester. Yes. Good evening. Hi. What's on your mind tonight? Yes. Um... Yes. I have some problems. Like, uh, I never buy um, t- have a credit card in all my life. I'm six, um, 67 years. Oh my. But because of this system, they so as to establish yourself, you have to have, to, in regards to credit, you have to have a credit card, have a credit. So I. It's helpful. So after talking, um, asking uh, around, they said you, I could take out a credit card with, with department stores, which I did with Macy's and Bloomingdale. Okay. Um, I usually like buy at one department and put it on my credit card, and by the time I get out of the store, I will pay. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I my credit was at zero, and I was still getting. Uh, I still. I'm getting a monthly statement every month that I hold. By this time when I was paying my regular credit, uh, I didn't realize that there was an insurance Bloomingdale took out on my credit. Mm, And what what they did, they um, bill it to an insurance company, and then they pay the insurance company and then put it on my credit. I don't understand. This what? is a um, credit card in, uh, insurance. You know, it's it's credit insurance sort of thing. It's it's, it's credit card monitoring system that they uh, sell people this upgrade that that is worthless. It's not worthless. It is overpriced, and you shouldn't get but it. I I didn't have any. I, know, I didn't I, have any in mind about taking out an insurance. I I know you didn't intend to do it. They did it to you. I get that they slipped it in on you. Um, yes. And 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 I you know I don't know what you can do about it, but um, what happened? Disputed, I I. I suppose. Uh, like I ignored it for a while, and then then they put my name on bad credit, and people start calling me that I I hold um, Bloomingdale, and oh, no. I eventually when I contact then I uh, that I, I realized it was serious. I contact Bloomingdale, and they sent me a letter of apology after a long um, process, mm-hmm. and the and the insurance company sent me a form. So as to fill out, uh, to say how much they owe. I, I sent them um, a letter and said I could not tell them because how much they owe me, they have to deal with Bloomingdale because I didn't even know the insurance, that there was an insurance there. I was just paying my, thought I was just paying my credit. So that, um, they put my name on bad credit. Okay, mm. Macy's, now I have Macy's card. Macy's, I went to Macy's to, to pay my, my bill, my final bill. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, um, the door was locked. They said there was no more Macy's. It's now Macy's and Burdines. I went uh-huh. over to Burdines and um, I paid Burdines. I told them. And they said Each yes. one of the uh, uh, credit uh, credit reporting companies has a way that you can dispute. So if you get a hold of Experian and TW, um, it's, uh, TWA. Well, I did it myself. Excellent. Very good. Myself. We're so out of time, but thank you Hester, for the call go. tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live, live Saturday edition. You bring up anything, toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features for free, so enjoy those. And they, by the way, include updates. Get on the list. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh you need to know about the show. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on it for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? You can. Check out this amazing doctor-recommended cleanse. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. You know, we were short on time, uh, not, a, not a lot of time to talk to Hester there uh, yeah, a few moments ago. Also kind of hard to understand her, uh, but it sounded like she was having some credit card troubles. It sounded like she was. Uh, she said she was resolving it all on her own without going through the, uh, the, 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 the what is it, TransUnion? Are they, yeah, uh, Experian? Yeah. There's a third one as well. Yeah, I wish I was uh, some kind of financial expert. I'm yeah. certainly not. We're just a couple guys with microphones. Unfortunately, we'll tell you what we can do to help out. Uh, but in this case, it sounded like she had it under control. But uh, certainly there is a disputing process that you can go through. And you've got to pay attention. When you're getting into some sort of a financial agreement, there's a lot of fine print. And it's it behooves you, especially if you are not in a wealthy uh, situation where to where you just have thousands and thousands of dollars where you can pay to make mistakes. Uh, it really behooves you to cover your butt and, and take a look at all the details and really pay attention to your statement as well. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, and it's tough when they send you those uh, credit card statements, man. It's the finest printing ever. The Bible isn't printed as fine as these things are. You bring up anything, we go to your phone calls and talk to Charles in South Carolina, listening on WSCFM. Hello. Hey, good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, relating to your previous discussion about um, the war on drugs, I read with great interest today an AP article on our front page in Charleston that says um, that we reached a milestone in January, our nation did, where one out of every 100 Americans is incarcerated. Yep, I've got That's that story. Incredible, and I've thought for a long time that the war on drugs is a. It's got. It maybe it was started with good intentions, but it just doesn't work. And no, we need the money, the tremendous amount of money that we've spent overseas and we've wasted in 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 other efforts, forgotten mm-hmm. efforts could could just revamp the entire federal prison system, and these, these they should be watching uh, Martha Stewart all day. But anyway, I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, I, so we agree on that point. Perhaps you've seen a show. We, the information out there today is wonderful. And on the History or, or a, a Biography Channel, there's a, a tremendous show on history of drugs. starts with the Lawden and works its way all the way through. And it, it somewhat bashes the war on drugs, but it's just informative but, you know, around the turn of the century, right on through the 20s and 30s, our nation, a, a third of us or a fourth or a third of us were drug addicts. No. So in light of this conversation... Where'd you get that? Really? They claimed that a fourth were drug addicts? Oh, I've heard it's 1%. No, no, no. You, this is a great show. It's on Biography or History Channel. It's right there on satellite TV. Okay. Just maybe maybe drug users, not drug addicts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every... Uh, in China, at the same time when the U.S. was struggling with the drug problem, China just killed them all. A healthy percentage of their population just white. They said, you just can't have this. And in in uh, working with the U.S., it's a, it's a tremendous show. You should see it. You should make a special effort, anyone who's here, to see that. It's the history of drugs. The history of drugs. And it's on 
you know, direct TV, I'm sure. I'm sure you can go to YouTube and get something about it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. But, but you know, what do you guys propose? We agree about the drug laws, but we, what we, if you made all that stuff legal, and I'm not, I'm not inexperienced now. I'm 52, but I've mm-hmm. done a little of everything, and, and uh, it just takes discipline. But, I mean, what would you propose to do about that problem? It, you know, everybody would be high. You know, okay. marijuana is one thing. Let's they look should at, legalize that. But. Let's look at it. Um, now, um, yeah. the, first off, marijuana not addictive. Uh, some people might may argue against that and say that uh, you know some people are uh, my get, brother can get hooked. addicted to anything. And okay, fine. Yeah, I'm all for that. The, I'm all for pot. Those those people good. that uh, you know man, manage to first off the war and and the war on war on drugs essentially is a war on marijuana. Seventy five percent of the drugs arre- drug arrests in the United States are marijuana. It's about fifty. Well, it's paying for the pensions of half the police officers in the country. That's what it's doing. It's just paying for their pensions. But let's look at marijuana. Let's look at heroin and, and cocaine and things like that. Um, I alcohol is addictive to just to, certainly to some people, and um, but they yeah. you know they they don't go and drink that stuff at, at work. I think that yeah, but heroin, man, heroin is a. I watched it just happened to see another show on it the other night. It's mm-hmm. it's tremendously addictive. You do one, you do that once or twice, you you can lose it. You can. Some people crack. Crack's very same with cigarettes. Um, Oh yeah, it's scary. It's scary to even think about someone trying it. It's just scary. That stuff's tremendous. So I mean, we could end up with a terrible problem. Well, I'm sorry. I I don't know. We do have a terrible problem. I I, number one, (laughs) we have a terrible, terrible problem in the war on drugs right now. I question the statistic that you're you're accounting that a quarter of the American population were drug addicts. I I don't believe that one. And, and, I understand. And, uh, I I just telling you. I question it because it goes against what uh, what I have read elsewhere. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. In, in that, if you look at the statistics from uh, from other countries like the Netherlands, for instance, uh, where marijuana users there are less there are less marijuana users, especially amongst teenagers there, than there were before they ended uh, the prohibition on marijuana. And so all the factors point toward less usage. It's just ludicrous to believe. I mean, the people that you know in your life. Are they just all itching to go out and smoke some crack the day it becomes legal? I mean, who do you know that's waiting to do that? Right. Nobody is. The fact is, if you want to do drugs, you go and do them. It's not the laws that, you know, they don't prevent people from going to get drugs. It just makes it a little more difficult to get your hands on them, and it makes them a whole lot more expensive. So, yeah, there are still going to be addicts, but we have addicts today. Yeah, people are still going to do some drugs and get behind the wheel of a car, but we still have that happening today. So we're we're a lot smarter today. Part of that show is just ignorance. You know, it was sold as Doctor Smith's miracle remedy, and house women were in their soft, uh, sackcloth dresses were giving it to their kids with their breakfast cereal, mm. the laudan. I mean, you know, or for the common cold, heroin, cocaine. Yeah, a lot of them. Uh, for those listening, is a, um, a mix, mix of whiskey and heroin. Show. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, dude. Okay, I buddy. appreciate hearing from you. You know, it's it's something that the drug prohibitionists, and I don't think he's one of them. He's obviously not one of them, but it's no. something that the prohibitionists are going to say. He's bringing up an issue. Right. The, the prohibitionists are going to try to scare you, and they're going to say, well, if we re-legalize drugs, then, then everybody's going to become an addict. Or at least all the people you know, they're all just going to get hooked. That's ludicrous. It's like saying that everybody's addicted to alcohol, when everybody's not addicted to alcohol. Some people are, and... Their lives are very difficult, and it's hard to hard to kick that, and it, you know it's a it's a very difficult process. But one thing we can say for sure 
it would not help the alcoholic to put him in a jail cell and, and saddle him with a crime for the rest of his life, with a criminal record. And that's what this government is doing to heroin addicts and, and marijuana smokers and cocaine addicts and anybody that does an illegal drug. They're getting, uh, they're getting forced into jail. Yeah, I How got, does that help? I've got no interest. I've done cocaine before. I've got no interest in ever doing it again. It's just, you know, I, I don't want to do it. You tell me, if you're a prohibitionist, if you think the war on drugs is just great, you tell me what's so great about putting somebody in a jail cell and how that's going to help them out. Well, they were a drug addict. Well, now they've hung out in jail around real criminals. Maybe they learned a thing or two about real crime while they were in there, huh? More on the way. You take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. It is the live Saturday edition, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away so enjoy those on us including live streams broadband version dial-up version both free for you at freetalklive.com soviet style central planning doesn't work so what's the best way to reach out to liberty lovers google ads direct mail free talk live only you know what's best you can choose which project is worthy of your dollar go to freestateproject.org slash donate and choose how you want to contribute that's freestateproject.org slash donate to the phones and the fun it's mac in georgia you're on free talk live hello mac How's it going, guys? Hey, what's on your mind, sir? Um, was thinking about the lady with the um, with the um, the credit card troubles. I had to think about it for a second. Yeah. Um, what would the free market do? Well, no, let me rephrase my question. What would the free market? How would the free market deal with predatory um companies? Like, you know, with the oil companies. The gas prices are almost back up to the point where they were at. Well, first of all, let me stop you right there. To suggest that the gas companies are in any way predatory, I don't know if you can actually back that up with any evidence. Uh, I mean, the fact is, bottled water costs more than gasoline. The answer is competition. Hmm. Competition is the um, is is what uh, is you know handles it because people want customer service. You want customer service, right, Mac? Yeah, and people and in in the area where um, competition is limited, that's when companies can sort of set their own rules because there's fewer of them out there to compete with. Well, and if we did right. get rid of the uh, the federal government, then the oil companies would have more competition because right now, because of the feds and their laws, oil companies cannot build new refineries. So. Even if they wanted to scale up their business and uh, increase their production, they can't because the federal government won't allow them to build. What they can do is they can repair their old refineries. They are allowed to do that, but that's not good enough. It means that they aren't able to scale up their business as necessary according to consumer demand. It also means that all of the new wonderful uh, technologies they might develop to refine uh, the you know to refine the oil might they'll never be able to implement them because they can't build new refineries. I mean the it's like it's nuts. It's the same thing with uh, nuclear power. We don't have nuclear power not because it's bad or it's a bad idea, but because the government has decided we shouldn't be ha- able to have it. 
nuclear power would be incredibly safe if these companies were able to actually build the facilities. But the federal government, stepping in it's all it's, in all of its infinite wisdom, has decided, well, no, we won't have any more nuclear power facilities being uh, built. And so, therefore, we are literally stuck in 1970 as far as the power uh, structure, the, uh, the the power grid in this in this country. It's so old and decrepit, and it's because of government just putting the kibosh on building any new power structures, at least okay. nuclear One ones. Thing. Yes, sir? One thing. Okay. I picked up the newspaper this morning. I read an article about the St. Patrick's Day uh, Festival down here in Savannah, mm-hmm. that they're adding more police to, to do security. Now, just explain. Just listen. Okay, we had the Metro Police. This is all the people who do security for the, for the festival. We had the Metropolitan Police for Savannah. We had the Champaign County Sheriff's Department. We have Department of Corrections. They send in guards. Department of Parole and Pardons. They send in agents to security. We have private security companies. And we have organizations like um, the International Order of the Guardian Angels. I used to be part of them. And we did security down there. That's a lot of damn security. And they added more cops this year. The thing about it is that they're supposed to be, you know, making sure people don't be urinating in public, getting too drunk. And you have cops who come in from out of town. They're worse than the than the civilians. The the out of town cops are worse. Oh, you mean the the cops that are coming in? They're drinking. Is that what you're saying? It's like in uniform. Matter of fact, the parade <laughs> commission banned um. They said in New York City, um, their band can come down, but they can't send any extra cops that you know to march in the parade because they was they was. It was getting drunk and going crazy. It was groping women and everything. Wow! Acting like complete asses. <laughs> what what a nice example they're setting there for. Well, uh, they got the power, but they don't have the accountability of being in their own town where their bosses are. You know. Interesting point, Mac. Thanks for the call tonight, as always, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, New Jersey, Trenton. Associated Press reporting for New Jersey drivers. The message is clear: keep your thumbs on the wheel and off the keypad. Beginning Saturday, that's today. Police can slap drivers with a $100 fine for talking or sending a text message on handheld devices. Well, I, I don't, um, I don't know about the uh, talking on a cell phone thing. I, I think that uh, it's probably best to use a, uh, a headset when you're driving, but sending text messages while you're driving dangerous, dangerous crap. And I'm not so sure that that bothers me that much. Well, first of all, it's dangerous doing anything besides driving when you're driving. It could be dangerous to change the station on uh, the radio dial, which is all the more reason to keep it locked into Free Talk Live. Uh, it can be sure, dangerous but you push to turn... one, you push one button on the radio in order to change the station. How many buttons do you push in order to send uh, a text all you message need, of Mark, a few All uh, you need digits? is a fraction of a second. That's all you right. need to get into sure, a wreck. Sure, but... Every time you do it, you, you don't push the button that many times on the radio. You've got to push it I several understand. times to send text messages. I understand what so you're saying. It, it, it I'm is, not defending people sending text it messages. It is, um, you know, exponentially a more, uh, a, you know, more dangerous Look, activity. I'm not defending people sending text messages, Mark. I'm just saying if you're going to outlaw that, then you might as well just outlaw everything that a driver can do besides drive. It's dangerous to turn to your right and talk to the passenger uh, in, the, in your car. It's more dangerous to turn and talk to the kids in the back seat. I mean, it's dangerous to eat. It's dangerous to put on makeup. It's dangerous to do all kinds of things. Well, I don't think the fi- How about we just make it so if you're driving dangerously, then that's the problem? Because you and I both know, Mark, that this law in New Jersey, which is not unf- unfamiliar, apparently it's joining four other states, including New York, uh, in similar bands, 
But this new law, which could be coming to a state near you, is just going to be used as revenue generation. Yeah. That's all it's going to be used for. And I'm not so sure that they're even going to know that you're sending a text message or anything like that. Well, uh, by the way, it says here that uh, talking on a handheld cell phone in New York is reason enough to get pulled over. The Garden State is the first where text messaging on the road is a primary offense, meaning police need no other reason to pull the driver over, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. I didn't even know there was a National Conference of State Legislatures, but it (laughs) figures they probably trade bad ideas as to how to control our lives. Pam Fisher, director of New Jersey's Division of Highway Traffic Safety, said officers will be on the lookout for telltale signs of distracted drivers, slow driving, and the cell phone weave. Drivers can still use their cell phones to contact police or emergency services and can talk at any time with a hands-free device, but crash statistics suggest those headsets and earpieces may not make conversations in the car any safer. Yeah, by the way, the headsets uh, don't make it much safer. I think that perhaps it makes it slightly safer in that uh, both hands are on the wheel, but... Not really. Well, I mean, they tell you why. Don't, a lot of people drive with one hand on the wheel anyway. They'll tell you why here in a moment, Mark. In 2006, nearly half of the 3,500 phone-related crashes in New Jersey involved a hands-free device, according to transportation officials. Five of 11 fatal accidents involving a cell phone that year also involved a hands-free device. Now, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety says those figures are constant or consistent rather, with recent research showing no difference in crash risk between handheld and hands-free cell phones. The conversation itself is the distraction, said the Institute. You're in another place when you're talking on the phone. Yeah, I'm afraid that's so. And I have to agree. There have been plenty of times uh, in the past when I've been on the road, on the phone, and, you know, blown right by an interstate exit simply because I was in the world of the conversation mm-hmm. and not paying as much attention to my surroundings as I might might have should have been. Uh, trucker Lou Cataldo hopes a new law will cut down on distracted drivers he sees across the state. He said, I see a car in the middle lane doing 50 miles an hour and 99.9% of the time it's someone yakking on a cell phone, he said. But he questioned how police would spot drivers typing out a message. If you're doing 75 miles an hour, that cop has to be right alongside to see you. Driving while using a handheld cell phone has been illegal in New Jersey since 2004, when the state became the second in the nation to pass the ban. However, it was considered a secondary offense, meaning that drivers could be ticketed for that if they were pulled over for another reason. Hmm. Over the past year, state courts have recorded 16,000 tickets for the offense. I wonder what it is uh, per shot there. It doesn't tell 16, you. 16,000 tickets for that offense? I wonder what they're getting pulled over for. Yeah. Oh, you got a taillight out. And you were talking on a cell phone. 50 bucks a pop. I don't know what. I'm just pulling a number out of my hat here. It could be 100. That's a lot of cash for the uh, for the state. More on the way. You can take control. And by the way, the state bureaucrats are predicting that number is going to significantly rise now that primary and now that cell phone use is a primary offense. You bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the show, then wear our logo. Go to store.freetalklive.com and get, uh, grab yourself some Free Talk Live t-shirts, hats, hoodies. Uh, we've got all kinds of different things, and it's uh, good quality products, too. We did not scrimp. Uh, we did not chintz out on the quality levels. So go to store.freetalklive.com, and you can also find out how you can get a free bumper sticker. No obligation. You don't have to buy anything to get the free bumper sticker. It's free for real. 
Uh, so go to store.freetalklive.com. We go to Bill in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hello, Bill. Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind? Um, you guys, I, let me get this straight before I say anything. You guys are in favor of banning head headset talking? No, not at all. Not oh. me. Mark? Oh, good. Okay. I, I don't use a cell phone myself, but I don't think there should be any law against a person even driving and having a cell phone on at one. I think you should be able to have a cell phone in one hand and a steering wheel in the other. I, I think as long as you're driving okay, then it's fine. I think if you're driving dangerously, then that should be the issue. And I think that should always be the issue. I don't care what the reason is that you're driving dangerously. I don't care if it's because you're driving while tired, driving while under the influence, driving while cell phone, driving while changing the station, driving while arguing with the kids. If you're driving dangerously, that should be the issue, and that should be the only you know the only rule is just drive safe i agree with that 100 percent. the argument i was going to use against that first argument if you had been against it i would have said well then we're going to have to make a law that says only one person can drive a car at a time <laughs> yeah, yeah that is the uh you know that is the inevitable uh logical ends of or all they of could this be regulation. in a soundproof uh, uh sectioned off area of the car <laughs> Hey, thanks, guys. I'll let somebody else have a chance. Thank you, Bill. Okay, 800-259-9231. Yeah, I mean, before you know it, if we keep going down this road with more and more restrictive regulations for how you can behave in the car, before you know it, it's going to be illegal to turn your head for any other reason than to look behind you right quick to see if the, the lane's clear for you to tr- uh, change lanes. Well, what concerns me about uh, your situation where you talk about only uh, pulling people over for driving dangerously is that it put, it gives more subjective uh you know, sort of uh, scenarios for the cops. I mean, what if the the police officer, a police officer actually can decide that you're driving to, um, too quickly for the conditions, even though you're under the speed limit. So the the speed limit can be 70 miles an hour, but it can be snowy or whatever, and they think that you're driving too quickly, and can pull you over and give you a ticket for, uh, you know, reckless driving. But you and I both know is. that the police can use whatever excuse they want to pull you over. Right, they're oh, already I'm sorry, over it looks like you've got a tail light out there, sir, and even though they, you may not have a tail light out. So they can use any old reason they want to. If the police aren't out there enforcing bad laws like, uh, you know, the war on drugs, then they wouldn't be as scary. You know, if the police weren't, <laughs> weren't threatening you with imminent arrest or planting drugs on your person if they don't like you, then it wouldn't be as big of a deal for the police to actually pull someone over for driving dangerously because there wouldn't be any way for them to operate in a corrupted manner. So the ideal situation, of course, would be to end the war on drugs and have the police actually out doing real police work, like investigating real criminals like murderers, for instance. Let's continue with your calls and talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, I called about nuclear power, but before we go to that, uh, if you're driving while dangerous, who's your victim? Well, the private road owner, I guess, would be the one that uh, would would have a rule against driving dangerously, I would presume. We're yeah, talking about a world. There's really no victim, so there's no crime. But anyway, we're talking about. A, I was talking about a world of private roads, Gene, and uh, and in that case, a private road owner can create whatever rules he or she wants to. Well, that's true. That's true. If, if the roads are private. But anyway, nuclear power. You said, mentioned something earlier about uh, uh, if the government got out, it would the, the cost would be uh, cheaper or whatever. But yeah. uh, I wanted to say that the state of nuclear power is it can never be cheap. I don't care if the government's involved or not. Really? Because people don't factor in the cost of disposal. Now, current state hmm. of the art requires a uh, nuclear power plant to be disassembled after about 25 years, and the entire nearly the entire structure is nuclear waste as well as all of the spent fuel and the water 
and some of the other components involved in the thing are hot, and some of those really hot items are hot for, I don't know, 500,000 years, something like that. So unless we were able to figure out a way to properly dispose of this stuff, so far you cannot even know what the cost of nuclear power is because we cannot factor in the cost of disposal. Well, I, I don't care. I mean, it's not my concern. That's the concern of those people in search of a profit who are out there looking to operate nuclear power plants. If they're willing to right, take on those costs and those risks, then that's their business. Yeah, well, how would you enforce somebody taking on the cost of storing something for fifty, you know, uh, one hundred and fifty thousand years? Enforce it? I don't know. It's their business. Well, they'd, I mean, they, I'm sure they'd have their land and they'd put it put it there and bury it like people have been doing with. What dangerous... are they doing with it currently, Gene? Yeah, I mean, we've got nuclear uh, power plants. A lot of it is stored on site, and they really don't know what they're going to do with it in fifty years to a hundred years. They don't have any clue. There's so a lot that's... of land out there, Gene, and they can. Use, I'm sure, a good chunk of it to store stuff and keep people away from it. No problem. So, so you think we should just, that, that the person would buy a chunk of land and just pour a bunch of nuclear fuel in there, and that's it's disposed of for fifty thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand years? There have been ways. I don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a nuclear expert. But from what I understand, there are ways to seal this stuff well, off. One thing's for sure: keep it is safe. If we get the government out of um, energy, that we will come oh. up with better sources of energy. Yeah, I trust yeah, the marketplace even, to innovate these things, Gene, that you're talking if, even about. Even if you were able to do that, um, you would have to figure the cost of that land over the price over the over the length of 150,000 years. Land right doesn't now, cost anything, man. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, you're not talking about nuclear power plants operating in the middle of a city. You're talking about out in the middle of uh, the, you know, nowhere where there's nothing around. That land's not expensive. And if you're a power company, if you've got the the amount of capital that it would take to build the cooling towers in a nuclear power plant, you can certainly afford a plot of land to uh, use for disposal purposes. I mean, there are people well, that it's their profession, Gene, to dispose of things. Let the marketplace yeah. work on this. Well, it would come up with the, the solutions. People, the people who have the uh, the job of disposing things don't have a clue how to dispose of nuclear fuel. They, they would learn. Uh, Gene, if they, they don't were if, have, well, but Gene, but the if, the, if the, the, the business wasn't so sorry, go ahead. Um, the point I'm getting at is the cost is unknown. Nobody knows what that cost. So is. what? It's their business. Let them take the risk. I'm sure yeah, they're willing well. to do it. There are companies out there that would build nuclear power plants if they were just allowed to by the government, but they're not. So because of that, they haven't been able to use the past three decades to innovate and create all of these solutions that you're looking for. The marketplace will solve the problems. Necessity is the mother of invention, Gene. Well, okay, if you think that they can solve the problem, I'd sure like to see them do that. If because, they can, uh, it's their investment on the line, not mine and yours, so who cares? Let them lose their ass. Thanks for the call, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty. I think in fifty thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand years, we probably would have, uh, you know, gotten space travel to the uh, level that uh, shooting a bunch of uh, nuclear garbage into <laughs> space is probably something that we could live with. That's one idea. There are a Send lot it of... straight towards the sun. There are a lot of possibilities, Mark, and you and I and Gene, none of us know what they all are because we aren't the people with the investment on the line. You know, and these are the these are the sort of things that people just never imagine. There's all kinds of things people never imagine that we'd be able to do. Fly? I mean, yeah, drive cars. Who would have imagined a horseless carriage? And there are things that people say today that we'll never be able to do, like teleport, for instance. And all of these things may very well be possible. Live forever. All of these things are possible. And if we can imagine them 
we can turn right if we're now, free. The, gov- the government regulates the disposal of this um, nuclear waste that he's talking about. Yeah. Therefore, and, and since they store it on site, it is not figured into the uh, the equation of selling nuclear power. If it was figured into the equation, then perhaps nuclear power would be priced out of um, the market. But we don't know because the government's all mixed up and involved. Exactly. It messes up the scenarios, and we end up with things that we wouldn't otherwise use, like ethanol um, gasoline, uh, where they're, you know, now currently they're they're uh, driving up corn prices by, uh, you know, forcing us to use corn uh, ethanol gas. Just a few more moments remaining here, but I want to read just a couple of paragraphs from a fun art, a fun article from The Onion. In case you don't know, it's a satirical news source, brilliant website, theonion.com. This, uh, the story is, idiom shortage leaves nation all <laughs> sewed up in horse pies. A crippling idiom shortage that has left millions of Americans struggling to express themselves spread like tugboat hens throughout the U.S. mainland Tuesday in an unparalleled lingual crisis that now has the entire country six winks short of an icicle. Since beginning two weeks ago, the, def- the, the deficit in these vernacular phrases has affected nearly every English speaker on the continent, making it virtually impossible to communicate symbolic ideas through a series of words that does not individually share the same meaning as, a group of, uh, as the group of words as a whole. In what many are calling a cast-iron piano tune unlike any on record, idiomatic expression has been devastated nationwide. Harvard University linguistics professor Dr. Howard, Howard Albright said, This is an absolute oyster carnival. He noted that a, the 2008 idiom shortage has been the country's worst. He says, I don't know any other way to describe it. The, uh, the article goes on for several more paragraphs. Somebody needs an onanonsopia right in the mouth. Uh, <laughs> That's the pow, bam. Theonion.com. Good stuff. Anyway, it's been Ian here with you. And Mark. We will return Monday night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and wishing you a happy and safe weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.